Have you ever wondered what it's like to witness a murder? Forrest grabbed the knife and then just stabbed Johnny in one motion. Or how it feels to be shot. I was immediately hit by a barrage of bullets. Or how you would react if your spouse hired someone to kill you. And he was to put me in a grave with a bullet wound on my head. These are the stories you'll hear on the podcast called What Was That Like? True stories told by the actual person who went through it. You'll hear from a stalking victim. Came back upstairs and when I came back and turned the corner into my room, I saw him standing there. You'll hear from a man who was kidnapped and tortured. I would do anything, say anything, to simply get away. And you'll hear actual 911 calls. Take a deep breath. Oh my God! Take a deep breath. Oh my God! Take a deep breath. Oh my God! Real people in unreal situations. Search for What Was That Like on any podcast app or at whatwasthatlike.com. Do you want to know what it's like to hang out with MS-13 in El Salvador? How the Russian mafia fought battles all over Brooklyn in the 1990s? Or what about that time I got lost in the Burmese jungle hunting the world's biggest meth lab? Or why the Japanese Yakuza have all those crazy dragon tattoos? I'm Sean Williams. And I'm Danny Gold. And we're the hosts of the Underworld Podcast. We're journalists that have traveled all over, reporting on dangerous people and places. And every week, we'll be bringing you a new story about organized crime from all over the world. We know this stuff because we've been there. We've seen it. And we've got the near misses and embarrassing tales to go with it. We'll mix in reporting with our own experiences in the field. And we'll throw in some bad jokes while we're at it. The Underworld Podcast explores the criminal underworlds that affect all of our lives, whether we know it or not. Available wherever you get your podcasts. There were two more murders 15 miles when away. Police arrived, they found the telephone the electricity line. Weird described by one investigator as reminiscent of a weird religion. Morning. Cup of murder. The science behind profiling is truly fascinating. It's amazing how little details of crime scenes or facts about the case can evolve even to the most minute detail about the suspect's life. When done correctly, it can often lead to a killer's capture. But when done incorrectly, it can prolong a crime spree and cost many their lives. On February 3rd, 1975, the Skid Row Slasher was finally apprehended, and his arrest would prove just how wrong his profile really was. So, if you like your coffee hot, but your bones chilled, sit back and start your day with a morning cup of murder. The Skid Row Slasher began his reign of terror with the November 1964 murder of transient David Russell. His body was found with numerous stab wounds, his throat cut, and left on library steps in Southern California. The very next day came the death of 67-year-old Benjamin Hornburn, who was killed in the restroom of a seedy motel. His throat was slashed from ear to ear and had other stab wounds to his head and torso. Then, just as soon as it began, the killings that police had started to attribute to the work of one single person stopped. It wasn't until December of 1974 when the killer would return with a vengeance. On December 1st, 46-year-old drifter Charles Jackson was found on the same spot David Russell was found a decade before. About a week later, 47-year-old Moses Yakinak was found in a skid row alley and, about three days after, 54-year-old Arthur Dahlstedt. All of these victims had their throat cut from ear to ear with evidence that the killer drank their blood post-mortem. 
There were often cups of blood left around the body, as well as rings of salt around the corpse, leaving many to think these murders were an act of Satanism. He would kill four more before, out of nowhere, changing his hunting ground to Hollywood. While there, he killed two. Police knew they had a serial killer on their hands, one who was killing at an alarming rate. So, they recruited the help of psychiatric experts to help them create a profile on their killer. According to these experts, they were looking for a white male in his late 20s or early 30s, who was about 6 feet tall and 190 pounds, with shoulder-length blonde hair. It went on to describe this man as sexually impotent and who used the murders to vent his feelings of worthlessness. He was friendless, poorly educated, homosexual, and had an unspecified physical deformity. This profile was published and the slasher went on killing. On February 2, 1975, the slasher invaded the Hollywood home of William Graham. His attack was interrupted by a house guest and both men plunged through a window. The attacker fled on foot to the home of actor Burt Reynolds. In the driveway of this latest target, the killer dropped a letter, a letter addressed to Vaughn Oren Greenwood. Police picked up this man on February 3, 1975, and charged him with counts of burglary and assault. They had no idea that their burglar was also the Skid Row slasher that they were looking for because they were still under the impression that they were looking for a white male. Vaughn Greenwood was a 32-year-old black man with no deformities who, according to acquaintances, had no problem in the bedroom. He was, however, a homosexual man who dropped out of school after the 7th grade to flee his foster home. He, like the men he murdered, was a drift who earned his keep as a migrant farm worker. It would take almost a year for Vaughn to be connected and charged with the 11 counts of murder connected to the Skid Row Slasher, all because of a poorly done profile. It is also worth noting that he is suspected of an additional 13 murders. In the end, Vaughn Greenwood was convicted of 9 of the 11 counts of murder, and on January 19, 1977, he was sentenced to life imprisonment. Thank you for joining me in my morning cup of murder. Please join me again tomorrow to hear what terrible thing happened. Don't forget to rate and subscribe and let me know how you like it. If you want to help support the podcast, there is always Patreon or just sharing it with your true crime obsessed friends. And remember, stay safe. Thank you for listening to Morning Cup of Murder. This is a daily podcast that tells you what happened on this day in true crime history. In short, easy to listen to episodes that you can finish on your commute or while you enjoy your morning coffee. So make sure you check back every morning. My name is Karina. I am the creator and host. You can find Morning Cup of Murder on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. I have also set up a Patreon where you can donate a small monthly contribution to the podcast. All those links are in the episode description. Thank you again and have a wonderful day.